Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sports Bird Podcast. I'm Dylan Bird here with week four waiver wire advice and injury replacements. Three weeks are down, and that's when you can really start to tell how teams are going to start to use their guys, the snap counts, the targets, the touches, the depth charts, and that is why I'm so excited to be here for week four waiver wire advice injury replacements. There's a lot we're going to talk about today. It's a little bit different than I did just two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, I ranked my you know top guys at each position, and today we have what we would call, what Scott Hansen would call, a quad box behind me. Four teams in each division. We're going to break all 32 teams down by their injuries, by players on each team that you want to target on the waiver wire. So I'm really, really excited to get started. I'm going to try and keep these videos short. Between 20 and 30 minutes, we're going to go through all 32 teams, as I said. And, you know, hopefully a minute or less for each team. Go right through it. Short video. You can skip around in the video if you want to look at individual teams. Um, but let's get started. We're starting with the AFC East, and we'll start with none other than the 0-3 New York Jets. Has there ever been a football team that you've seen get absolutely blown out for the first three weeks of the season like the Jets have? I mean, looking at the first half against the Bills week one, that could have been 35 nothing had Josh Allen not fumbled twice inside the Jets' 20-yard line, moving forward to week two, where the Niners were injury-ridden and completely demolished the Jets, Jets only scoring a garbage-time touchdown in that game, in addition to two field goals. Plus, we have this week, Indianapolis, where they got absolutely blown out once again, and now we have Sam Darnold versus Brett Rippon on Thursday night. That should be an interesting matchup. All I have to say is that I'm sure people are praying that it are wishing it was Jaguars-Dolphins because that is going to be a brutal game. But, you know, talking about fantasy for the Jets, we have, you know, Le'Veon Bell, who's still on IR, Perryman and Crowder at the receiver position. They could be back this week, but both may miss the game again. It is a short week, so, you know, you have to think that they could that there's a decent chance that they both can miss the game. In the past, I would have said possibly Chris Hogan, Braxton Berrios are guys you could look at on waivers, but honestly, there's a tons of guys out there. You're not looking at the New York Jets for waiver wire pickups, and it's just the truth. Do not touch them until they prove that they could score more than 20 points in a single football game. Moving on to the Miami Dolphins. Look, if running back Miles Gaskin and tight end Mike Gesicki are still available in your leagues, you got to grab them, and there's no doubt about that. Gaskin has fully taken over the job as a starting running back of the Dolphins over Jordan Howard, over Matt Breida, and there's no question about it. Gaskin had 78.9% of the snaps in week three. He had 22 carries for 66 yards rushing. Not great that he had three yards of carry, but he did get 22 you know, carries in general. Um, looking at his receiving stats, he had five for 29 through the air, five targets, which was tied for first on the team. Jordan Howard, the guy is running for less than a yard per carry. He's not taking over the job for Gaskin. He, he's going to steal the one-yard touchdowns like, like Mike Tolbert. He's going to vulture them. But Jordan Howard is not stealing the job. And Matt Breida has not done anything to show that he should have the job over Miles Gaskin. So this job should be Miles Gaskin's for the rest of the year. Looking at other guys on Miami, Mike Gesicki also got to pick him up. Caught another touchdown this week at Jacksonville. He was Pro Football Focus's highest-ranked tight end going into Week 3. Uh, through the first two weeks of the season, second on the team in targets in week three, you know, only had one catch, but and it, but it was for a touchdown. He's among the league leaders in the NFL in red zone targets. As long as Ryan Fitzpatrick is the QB, which it looks like he's going to be for the foreseeable future, as long as he keeps playing like a beast, Mike Gesicki is going to be extremely valuable in fantasy football, and I expect him to be a top top ten tight end moving forward, if not much higher. 
The Patriots are always going to do some weird stuff with their running backs, and we saw that again this week with James White out once again. We had a snap share where Rex Burkhead got 47%, 47.1% of the snaps. Sony Michelle got 36.8% of the snaps. And then you also had J.J. Taylor, who had the most carries on the team with 11. He only ran for 43 yards, though. But the two guys you got to look at here are Burkhead and Michelle. Burkhead had three touchdowns going from six going for 6 for 49 and two touchdowns rushing, 7 for 49 and a touchdown receiving. And then you had Michelle, who had nine carries, only nine carries, but had 117 yards rushing, had two for 23 receiving. Look, the truth is that if you're really desperate for a running back, you could grab Burkhead for next week if James White is still out. You could grab Sony Michelle for next week if James White is still out and hope that, you know, they get a few touchdowns. Um, you know, whether it's Burkhead, whether it's Michelle, you could hope that Michelle or Burkhead punch in those one-yarders or get, you know, other short touchdowns. But I'm not trusting the Patriots as far as I can throw them in running backs. I've never owned Patriots running backs, like, ever, and I don't plan on doing that. But if you're in a desperate situation, you may have to look to one of those guys. Now, looking at the Buffalo Bills, John Brown, who's been a huge surprise so far. You know, the Bills in general have been a surprise. Josh Allen has been insane. I will be the first to admit I was not a Josh Allen believer. I did not think he could do this. He looks unbelievable through the first three weeks of the season. He's the second-best fantasy quarterback right now behind Russell Wilson. But, you know, with Josh Allen shocking, so has the rest of the offense. John Brown, who's been great, he left the game before, you know, catching a ball because of a calf injury. And two guys really stepped up in his place. You had Cole Beasley, who had six catches for 100 yards on a team-leading seven targets. And then you had Gabriel Davis, rookie from UCF, had four catches for 81 yards on four targets. Both could be options going forward in very deep leagues if, and only if, John Brown is out for a long period of time, which I don't know how long he's actually going to be out with a calf injury. We'll have to monitor that. I would not be too high on Beasley or Davis going forward. But again, if you're in a much deeper league where tons of receivers are claimed and Beasley and Davis are still available, you may want to just look to store one of them on your bench in case Brown is out for a long period of time. Now moving on to the AFC North, we have the Baltimore Ravens. Honestly, there's not much else to say about the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, They better hope that Lamar Jackson and the offense start playing a lot better uh, in games, in big games, I should say, you know, between the Titans last year and the playoffs and the Chiefs last night. Not a good look for them. You had Mark Andrews dropping a ton of passes. You had other receivers dropping a ton of passes. And then you had Lamar Jackson, who just had an off game himself. Nothing new to report in terms of injuries. Nothing new to report in terms of the waiver wire. But that RB situation is kind of really, really weird over there. You know, it looked like it was going to be Ingram and Dobbins splitting, but now you have Gus Edwards getting involved. You have Dobbins not getting that involved. Uh, So I don't really know what to take away from that running back situation, but nothing in terms of waivers. We'll move on here to the Cincinnati Bengals. The Cincinnati Bengals, they have looked pretty abysmal so far this season. They're 0-2-1. They tied the Eagles, who also look horrible. The one bright spot is that Joe Burrow has looked great, but unfortunately the offensive line is not. Joe Burrow was sacked eight times uh, in this game against the Eagles. The Bengals' offensive line is one of the worst I've ever seen. I watched you know, the Giants' offensive line trying to block for Saquon in Week 1. That was horrible. This Bengals' offensive line rivals that. Joe Mixon is not getting anything going. But if there is a waiver wire, you know, potential pickup in very deep leagues, you could look at T. Higgins. T. Higgins in this game, he had the most snaps out of any wide receivers in the team. He had a 21.4% target share as he had five catches, 40 yards, and two touchdowns on nine targets in the game. No injuries for Cincy, which is great news. But if you're in really deep leagues, you may want to look at T. Higgins because if he starts to take the place of John Ross, which he did in this game, then he could have some value. Moving on to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Deontay Johnson, who was 
amongst the top of the NFL in terms of targets through two weeks. He left this game before recording a catch with a concussion. So, you know, looking at guys now with a concussion, you don't really know if they're going to be out next week. He could be back. He could be out. But, you know, who knows with the COVID situation if they'll actually have the game. But, you know, if Deontay Johnson were to be out, you'd have to look at guys like Chase Claypool and James Washington who could possibly take on that load. I don't really know if I would go to them on the waiver wire because I think there are just better options out there. But again, deeper leagues, you may want to give them a look. Now, looking at the running backs, you know, I know every, I was huge on Benny Snell a few weeks ago. A lot of people were huge on Benny Snell after week one. It looks like the Snell mania has calmed down a little bit. It looks like James Conner has taken his job back. You know, Conner's been playing great. 65.8% of the snaps in this one, 18 carries, 109 yards rushing, and a touchdown, four for 40 receiving. And then you had Snell only receiving 19.7% of the carries, seven carries for 11 yards. The rookie, Anthony McFarland, Booger's son, actually looked pretty solid in this game that he had six carries for 42 yards rushing, one catch for seven yards receiving on only 11.8% of the snap share. Look, if you claimed Benny Snell a few weeks ago, kind of you kind of could just storm there in case Connor gets hurt because Connor is pretty injury prone. But that Benny Snell mania has definitely started to calm down a bit. With the Cleveland Browns, nothing new to report. Same guys as normal. Dominant RB duo. Uh, same receivers, Odell, Landry, not much to report there. Now moving to the AFC South, we have the Jacksonville Jaguars. Wide receiver DJ Chark did miss this week with a chest and a back injury. Um, pretty bad offensive week for Jacksonville, but ultimately, you know, I know people were on the LaVisca Chenault train this week. Everyone was taking him in showdown. You know, some people were even plugging him into fantasy lineups thinking that with Chark out, Chenault was going to be the guy. Ultimately, that did not happen, but I do think that come down the stretch of the season, middle of the season, I think Chenault is going to get a lot more opportunities, and I think that he is going to be the second most relevant among all Jacksonville wide receivers. You know, he does have that role where he gets some carries also, kind of plays Wildcat QB. I think that in terms of production, Chenault could be the Debo Samuel of last year, where kind of towards the middle of the end of the season, he's a consistent, you know, 10 to 15 points a week. Um, and then also congratulations if you picked up James Robinson, who looks like he could be a league winner. He looks like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, just the Clyde Edwards-Hilaire that went to Southern Illinois and not LSU. I mean, this guy looks absolutely insane. I have no idea how he went undrafted in this year's NFL draft. Uh, 11 for 46 on the ground and two touchdowns. And then he also led Jacksonville in receiving six receptions, 83 yards. Congratulations if you picked up James Robinson. I unfortunately picked up Malcolm Brown over James Robinson after week one. Horrible decision. It's going to cost me a few games, no doubt about that. But congratulations again if you did pick him up. Now moving on to the Indianapolis Colts. This is another team that's pretty banged up in their receiving core. You have Paris Campbell, who is on IR with a... PCL injury. I was huge on him as a, as a pickup a couple weeks ago. So are a ton of other people, but he is on IR. And I was also big on Michael Pittman with Campbell out. Turns out Michael Pittman also got hurt in this game. Calf injury. Looks like he's going to be out until week eight, which is a big problem. But who is going to replace these guys? You have wide receiver Zach Pascal, who looks like he's going to be the number two wide receiver right now. He only had two receptions for 34 yards on four targets, which was 16% of the share against the Jets. Now, the thing is that against the Jets, Indy was up by so much that they didn't throw that much, so we didn't really get to see a ton of what Indy's offense would be. Um, but I'm sure we'll see it in weeks going forward, but I do expect Pascal to take that second wide receiver spot in the offense. Now, also looking at the tight end position here, 
once Jack Doyle got hurt last week, you had a guy, Mo Ali Cox, come in and was an absolute beast. He had five catches last week for 111 yards. Comes in this week with Jack Doyle getting snaps, and Mo Ali Cox still produces. Three receptions, 50 yards, and a touchdown on only three targets, which is a 12% share. But the fact that Doyle was active and Mo Ali Cox was still getting the you know targets production, it bodes well for him moving forward. I think in deeper leagues you could pick up Ali Cox and hope that you know the Colts continue to use him, especially with these wide receivers injured. Maybe they'll go two tight ends. You don't really know, but I like I like him a lot. Moving on to the Tennessee Titans, AJ Brown. He's missed the last two weeks with a knee injury, and look, Jonu Smith the tight end, and Corey Davis have been absolutely great so far. They're must-grabs if they're still available. I highly doubt that they're still available in, their, in any of your leagues. Jonu Smith is ranked the number two tight end so far. He has three touchdowns on the season. This was his first week without a touchdown this year, but he did have five catches for 61 yards on eight targets in week three, 24.2% of the target share. Looking at Corey Davis, as Matthew Berry calls it, he is the Devontae Parker of this year. Um, pretty much did not work out through his first three years at all after being the number five pick um, in the draft a few years ago. He has 15 receptions for 206 yards and a touchdown already through three games, had five catches for 69 yards and six targets on an 18.1% target share um, in week three against Minnesota. Now moving on to the Texans, the team looks horrific, nothing much to report. The same guys that we were looking at you know, going into the season are the same guys that are still producing. Nothing much has changed, so I'm not going to talk about the Texans much. There isn't much to say in terms of injuries, in terms of waiver wire. In terms of the Kansas City Chiefs, undoubtedly the best team in football right now. Put an absolute throttling on the Baltimore Ravens last night. Pat Mahomes looks, abs- or I should say, as his mom wants me to say, Patrick Mahomes looks absolutely amazing so far. Um, the only player really, really that's not owns much in this offense that's going to play a role is Mikael Hardman. Still available in a lot of leagues, and he went off last night, had four catches for 81 yards and a touchdown on six targets, 14.1, per, 14.6% of the share. Um, but the problem is, is that he's very inconsistent. He only had three receptions in the previous two games, and Demarcus Robinson seems to pretty much have an equal to or greater amount of you know snap share. Um, routes run as Hardman, so I don't really know when Hardman's going to get more involved. Um, but it does, you know his production may be a little bit inconsistent. But if you want to take a flyer and hope that his production does increase, his usage does increase, then take a shot on Michael Hardman. I mean, it can't hurt. You're literally betting on the best offense that we've possibly ever seen in the in NFL history. Moving on to the Chargers, you know Tyrod Taylor was out once again with that punctured lung um, that he had through the. Uh, injection that he got from the team doctor Justin Herbert did start again and you know he he was he was really good and he's using Keenan Allen a lot more than we saw week one with Tyrod Taylor Keenan Allen actually had 19 targets this week which is and 13 receptions which is absolutely crazy but moving on to you know waiver wire possibilities from the Chargers Josh Kelly I assumed is owned in most leagues if he's not he's a must grab he only received 27% of the snap share in week three but you know, in week two, he had 52% of the snap share and 25 touches. They're basically using him like they did Melvin Gordon, you know, a year ago with Eckler. Um, once Melvin Gordon did come back last year after he was holding out for a bit. But I really like Josh Kelly. He's been good every single time he's got the opportunity to touch the ball. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, I assume he's already owned your leagues, but if he's not, be sure to pick him up. Now moving on to Vegas, the Las Vegas Raiders, John Gruden. We have Henry Ruggs who missed this week with a hamstring injury, and then we have Hunter Renfro who basically you know filled in for him and balled out in his place. Six receptions, 84 yards, and a touchdown on nine targets. He had 28% of the target share, but I pumped the brakes on Renfro a little bit. I loved Renfro coming into the season, but it's pretty clear that Darren Waller was banged up in this game. He only had four targets. He only had two catches after having 13 catches in Monday Night Football against the Saints. Um, you know, Waller was questionable all week with a knee injury, so I do believe that that was bothering him. But once Ruggs is healthy, once Waller is fully healthy, it's likely that Renfro will come you know, back to earth. So only in much deeper leagues, and if Ruggs remains out, do you target Hunter Renfro. Now looking at the Denver Broncos, maybe the only team besides the Jets and the Giants that's looks like a complete dumpster fire right now, and it's really not their fault. Um, you know, all the injuries, you know, between Locke, Sutton, Lindsay, it's it's been pretty brutal for them. Um, you know, like I said, Lindsay missed weeks two and three with a toe injury. Cortland Sutton out for the season with a torn ACL. Drew Locke out for at least two to three more weeks, possibly more than that, with a shoulder injury. Now, looking at their offense, um, Noah Fant is owned in most leagues. Jerry Judy is owned in most leagues. Those guys are going to be your top two targets in the offense in terms of receiving, in terms of guys who catch passes. Um, I know Melvin Gordon catches passes. He's, he's also going to be an option. But, you know, looking at just receivers and tight ends, if you're not looking at Fant and Judy, the guy who I do expect to become fantasy relevant in a short period of time is KJ Hamler. You know, Hamler is a guy that I happen to watch play at Penn State a lot. The guy has run a sub 4 3 40 multiple times on campus there he's he's basically like a hollywood brown tyreek hill type player in terms of speed miko Horman. he's in that category that's how fast he truly is and two weeks ago against the pittsburgh steelers he actually tied jerry judy for the team lead in targets with seven this week he had you know three three catches for 30 yards on only five targets which was tied fourth on the team but i do believe that you know once competent quarterback play comes comes to Denver and I don't think we'll get it with Brett Rippon this week but maybe with Bortles later in that game or you know the next the next game after that we could see Bortles be somewhat competent um I think once they get court competent quarterback play KJ Hamler will be the next best um option in terms of the receiving guys there whether it you know after Fant and Judy now moving on to the NFC the NFC East or should I say NFC least this division has looked absolutely horrible but moving on to the best team in this division the Dallas Cowboys tight end Dalton Schultz filling in for Blake Jarwin who tours ACL earlier in the year worth an ad if you're weak at if you're weak at tight end week three he had nine catches for 88 yards and a touchdown against Atlanta on a team leading 10 targets 21.3 percent of the target share this week in week four, he had four catches for 48 yards on six targets, 10.7% of the target share. Another really solid week, though, for you know Donald Schultz and the fact that he is getting looks, getting targets. He's being probably who Blake Jarwin would have been had Jarwin stayed healthy. I like Schultz a lot, and I think he's one of my top t- top tight end targets, along guys like Gasicki if he's still available. Obviously, Johnny Smith, I'm sure, is you know uh, already owned in your league, but you know, other than one guy that I'm about to talk about later, I really like Dalton Schultz at tight end. Now moving on to the New York Giants, maybe the second worst team in football behind the New York Jets. Sterling Shepard is on IR with a toe injury. Um, really, you know, not affecting too much other than Slayton and um, 
Golden Tate, increasing targets for them. Um, but they didn't really do much this week as the Giants got absolutely blown out by the 49ers, second and third teams. <laughs> um, but looking at the running back situation, which is really significant because Saquon Barkley is out for the year with a torn ACL. Looking at the running backs, you had Deion Lewis get 38.8% of the snaps, Wayne Gallman get 34.7% of the snaps, and newly signed Devonta Freeman got only 28.6% of the snaps. It was unclear whether Freeman was going to actually play going into this game because he had just joined the team. So I think him getting 28.6% of the snaps compared to 30-something for the other two guys. To me, that signals in his first game that he's going to be the clear number one running back on this team moving forward. He only got five carries for 10 yards in this game, but it actually led the team in carries. Gallman and Lewis did not have more carries than Freeman, so expect Freeman to get a higher percentage of the snaps, and if the Giants are actually somewhat in football games and not you know throwing because they're down by 30, Freeman could be a decent option in some leagues, so if he's still available, be sure to pick him up. Now looking to the Washington football team, you have not much, but you know I threw him on there. Tight end Logan Thomas is a guy you got to keep looking at. Uh, caught four passes for 31 yards on seven targets this week. 19.4% target share. It's not a bad option if you need the tight end. He's consistently pulling in multiple targets every week. He led Washington in targets, you know, in weeks prior. So, I, you know, him and it's pretty much him and McLaurin that are being the two most targeted guys on this offense. I know Thomas only has one touchdown on the season where, you know, he, he hasn't hit the production and, you know, the yards and TDs haven't necessarily been there. But because of the high target rate, I feel like it could come sooner or later so again not a bad option i would not take him over don schultz right now at all but again decent option if you were not to get schultz moving on to the philadelphia eagles you had dallas goddard go down with a fractured ankle in week three and you also had deshaun jackson leave the game with a hamstring injury this led to wide receiver greg ward going eight catches 72 yards and a touchdown on a team leading 11 targets which was 25 percent of the share i really like ward as a good waiver option um, it, only if Jackson misses multiple weeks. Now, if you remember last year in the playoffs and towards the end of the regular season, you know the Eagles only lasted one round of the uh, lost in the first round of the playoffs. But so I should say end of the regular season when the Eagles' depth was really waning at wide receiver, Greg Ward did step up and get a ton of targets. So I expect him to do that again, like he did this week. If Jackson, if it's announced that Jackson is missing multiple weeks with that hamstring injury, then you got to look at Greg Ward. Moving on to the NFC North, a much more exciting division than the NFC East. We have the Green Bay Packers who look like a top three to four team in all of football right now. Aaron Rodgers has looked the best he has in years. He's been absolutely unbelievable so far to start the season. And against the Saints with Devontae Adams missing the game, wide receiver Alan Lazard took that number one wide receiver role and went nuts. Six catches, 146 yards and a touchdown on eight targets, 26.7% of the target share. With the Packers playing Atlanta in week four, Alan Lazard could be a very nice play. Now, even if Adams is back, think about the teams that Atlanta has played so far. They played Seattle, Lockin and Metcalf went off. They played the Cowboys, CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper both had over 100 receiving yards. They played Chicago and Allen Robinson went absolutely nuts over 100 receiving yards. Jimmy Graham went nuts and had two touchdowns as well. So... The Falcons' defense is not good. They're going to give up a ton of receiving yards. And I think that even if Adams plays, Alan Lazard 
could be a really, really nice option against Atlanta. And that's why he is a must-grab on waivers this week. He's the seventh-best fantasy wide receiver in half PPR so far. Lazard might be my top waiver pick of this entire week. You know, in terms of wide receivers, he's for sure number one. I'm huge on Lazard. Lazard is the guy that I'm going to pick up in all my leagues. I'm going to try to at least. Huge on Lazard. You need to grab him if he is still available in in your league because even though Adams is probably going to come back soon, if that offense is rolling like it is with Rodgers being this good, Lazard is the number two wide receiver is still going to be extremely productive. Moving on to the Chicago Bears, you have Tariq Cohen who tore his ACL out for the year. That was the only injury from them. But then the other person that interests me is Jimmy Graham. Now, Jimmy Graham had six catches, 60 yards, and two touchdowns on nine targets. Eight of those targets were from Nick Foles after he replaced Mitchell Trubisky in the game. Nick Foles is the new starting quarterback, so if I were looking at tight ends, I would pretty much hold Jimmy Graham just below Dalton Schultz and probably above Logan Thomas going forward in terms of waiver priority. Jimmy Graham is certainly an option on Chicago and you know in terms of waivers, and that is something I never thought I would say going into this this year. Looking at Minnesota, the Vikings, we have Justin Jefferson, the rookie out of LSU, um, the Coach O product. Seven catches, 175 yards, and a touchdown on nine targets. 36, 36% of the target share this week. He's Minnesota's wide receiver two. That's why he was drafted in a lot of leagues this year. If he was released at the beginning of the season because he only had two catches in week one, three catches in week two, be sure to pick him up. He's probably my second best, you know, second ranked receiver pickup of this week. I really like him a lot. I think that there's a ton of upside there. Minnesota has not been throwing the ball a lot. You know, as I said, he had a 36% target share. I believe Kirk Cousins only threw the ball around 25 times in this game. If Minnesota is down in games and they are throwing a lot, then Jefferson's going to be a really, really nice play. So he's my second ranked wide receiver pickup this week. Now moving on to the Detroit Lions, you got some weird, weird stuff going on with the running backs there. Um, I don't trust Adrian Peterson moving forward despite his 22 carries and 61.3% of the snap share. Maybe if you're desperate, and I am in one league, in the short, short, short term, if you just need a guy who's going to touch the ball a lot, maybe you could grab Adrian Peterson for next week. But one thing I find so interesting, DeAndre Swift, who was drafted pretty high in most fantasy leagues, only 8.1% of the snaps. But... I expect him to take the job from AP at some point, whether that means that AP is going to be, get injured because he's getting older or whether he's, you know, if he doesn't last through these, through the full 16 game season, DeAndre Swift is too good to not take Adrian Peterson's job. He was my number one. And I, oh yeah. And granted, I know Adrian Peterson, one of the best running backs of all time. Look, he's not what he was. And that's the truth. DeAndre Swift was my number one running back in this draft class. And I truly think that he was the most talented running running back in the draft. You know, when I was watching his tapes, some of the film did remind me of Saquon. Like, like I have only seen a certain amount of players cut the way that DeAndre Swift cuts. He's elusive. He's quick. He's extremely good. And the fact that Detroit is using him this little is an absolute disgrace, if we're being honest. So I expect DeAndre Swift's role to keep going up as the season goes on. Now, since Detroit is coaching him, who the heck knows? But... I don't trust Peterson moving forward, although if you need somebody for next week and you're kind of desperate, you could go to him. And moving on to the NFC South, you have the Tampa Bay Bucks. Unfortunately, wide receiver Chris Godwin did get hurt once again. He left the game with a hamstring injury. If Godwin's out for an extended period of time, you need to look at Scotty Miller. 
Scotty Miller, if he's available in your deeper leagues, you got to pick him up. I own him in one of my leagues. Scotty Miller in week three, he had three catches, 83 yards on five targets, 13.9% of the target share. But it's pretty clear that Brady likes this guy a lot, and he's going to move into Godwin's role once, you know, if Godwin does miss time with that hamstring injury, something that we have to monitor. Moving on to Atlanta, who did have a lot of injuries this week. Wide receiver Julio Jones missed week three with a hamstring injury. Everyone was huge on Russell Gage, who also left the game early due to a concussion. Um, I expect both those guys to be back shortly, Gage and Jones, so there's not much to look at there. But a guy that I am looking at in Atlanta, and you know maybe as a stash guy on waivers in a deep league, but somebody who I really, really like for deep league. He's almost available in every single fantasy league. I checked ESPN last night. He's only around one point. He was only around one point seven percent owned. I'm sure that number went up a little bit this morning. Is running back Brian Hill. Hill in week three, he had nine carries for 58 yards and a touchdown, and he had one ca- catch for 22 yards receiving. Now the most interesting part here is that in terms of the snap share, Gurley had 50.8 percent of the snaps. Brian Hill. 35.4% of the snaps, and then Ito Smith, 8.8% of the snaps. That gap between Gurley and Hill, I believe, is closing slowly and slowly each and every week. And whether Gurley goes down with a knee injury or Hill just is better than him, I expect Hill's production to slowly increase throughout the rest of the season. So I think that, you know, if you have a guy if you have some, you know, open spots on your roster or you have a guy that you definitely want to drop and you, you know, you think your your team's pretty good, but you want a stash guy for later. Brian Hill is your guy to stash. Now moving on to the Saints, Michael Thomas did miss week three. He looks like he could come back next week. Not much to talk about, assuming that he comes back very shortly. Moving on to the Carolina Panthers, you have Mike Davis. If he's not available in your league, you must grab him because he's literally taking Christian McCaffrey's spot for the next few weeks. Um, and by spot, I mean production-wise possibly also. 13, 13 carries for 46 yards on the ground, eight catches for 45 yards and a touchdown receiving on nine targets, 32.1% of the target share in Carolina, which led the team by a landslide. So it's pretty clear that even though Mike Davis is not Christian McCaffrey, they're using him similarly to the way that they use Christian McCaffrey. Mike, Mike Davis also pretty much destroyed the other running backs by getting a 76.5% snap share in week three. If he is available in your league, you have to grab him. If a guy is willing to trade him and you need to win in the short term, then you could trade for a guy like Mike Davis, use him to win the next two or three weeks, and then you know maybe maybe your season is recovered if you're one and two or zero or three, zero and three. So that's something that I think you have to look at if Davis is already claimed on waivers. If he's not, obvious must grab number one tar- number one guy if he's available in your league. Now looking at the NFC West, the best division in football, we have the Seattle Seahawks. Chris Carson goes down with a knee with a sprained knee that Pete Carroll says will take maybe about a week or two to heal. Um, pretty lucky that Carson got away with nothing torn because that was a pretty dirty play on the Cowboys. Um, but if Carson does miss a week or two, Carlos Hyde is a guy you could look at as a backup. I'm not too sure I want to bank on Carlos Hyde being the bell cow for Seattle, considering Seattle always splits up the carries a little bit. And especially if Carson is not there, they're probably going to use Travis Homer a decent amount. So, you know, again, if Carson misses a week, you could pick up Hyde. I don't expect too much out of him, though. Moving on to the Arizona Cardinals, we had Christian Kirk miss the game with a groin injury. And as a result, Keyshawn Johnson and Andy Isabella filled in for him. 
Keyshawn actually got more targets and snaps, but Andy Isabella got more production. How do we weigh that moving forward? Maybe late in the season, Andy Isabella could be an option. Um, probably not right now with him not getting that many snaps, even though he is really good, and I do think he's going to turn into a solid receiver for Kyler Murray on offense. I just don't know if it's going to be this year. Uh, he did have four receptions for 47 yards and two touchdowns. So Isabella is a guy that I like a ton. Maybe not for fantasy, though. Moving on to the San Francisco 49ers, the injury-riddled San Francisco 49ers, who still managed to blow out the Jets and the Giants despite having a zillion injuries. Running backs Raheem Mostert and Tevin Coleman both missed Week 3 with a knee injury. Debo Samuel, who's on IR, was once again out again with a foot injury. Looks like he could return in Week 4, possibly, but Week 5 seems to be the likeliest time that he will return. And George Kittle missed the game again with a knee injury. Now, as a result at running back, you had Jarek McKinnon and Jeff Wilson that kind of took over. Jarek McKinnon, 14 carries, 38 yards, and a touchdown. Rushing, and then 3 for 39 receiving. He did leave the game with a rib contusion. You know, it was a blowout also, which kind of led to Jeff Wilson Jr. Um, going for 12, 12 carries for 15 yards and a touchdown rushing, 3 for 54 and a touchdown receiving. Another guy to look at, you know, I don't put too much stock into this because Debo Samuel is coming back soon, but Brandon Ayuk, the rookie, the first-round pick of the Niners, he did have five, car- uh, five receptions for 70 yards on eight targets in this game, led the team in targets a 229 percent target share and now to our last team the los angeles rams we had running back cam Akers, who missed week three with the rib injury and in terms of daryl henderson and malcolm brown kind of fighting for that rb1 spot it seems like daryl henderson is the guy must grab if he's available um you know the Rams snap share was only 50 percent daryl henderson to 48.5 percent malcolm brown however henderson destroyed him in touches 20 carries for henderson for 114 yards and a touchdown rushing one for six receiving and then you had Malcolm Brown only get seven carries for 19 yards rushing that is all for waiver picks this week and injury replacements I'm Dylan Bird here with the Sports Bird podcast and if you enjoyed this video please like it please subscribe to the channel I love to talk to everybody in fantasy if you want to talk feel free to message me tweet at me at sports underscore bird on twitter um, you can also check out my website www.sportsbird.com where we have a fantasy football trade analyzer you can submit all your trades and i will answer as soon as possible and we are also looking to get some content up on that site very shortly you know you know this is all pretty new to me the youtube stuff content stuff i'm trying to work on a content schedule not everything is you know completely set yet so bear with me it'll be set pretty soon one thing that i am sure of though is that friday i will have college football spread picks out a YouTube video. So be sure to subscribe if you want to get the update when that comes out. Be, again, be sure to like this video. Follow me on social media at sports underscore bird and have a great day, everyone.